Welcome to the Mac Geek Gab Show 912 for Monday, January 31st, 2022. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. Nope. It's just Mac Geekab, isn't it? I'm going to get that right eventually. Yes. This is episode 912. As Pete said in the intro, we are the show where you send in your tips, your questions, your cool stuff found. We take your tips. We take your questions. We take your cool stuff found. We mash them all together into an agenda that we loosely follow because the goal is for each and every one of us to learn at least five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include Truebill.com slash MGG, Otherworld Computing's new MiniStack STX, HelixSleep.com slash MGG is back where you can save up to 200 bucks off your mattress, Kanji.io slash MGG is back. They want to hear from you about what you need for your MDM solution. And the Jordan Harbinger Show is, uh, is on board as well. We'll talk more about each of them a little bit later in the episode. For now, very cold here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. And here, Fairfield, Connecticut, getting ready for a nor'easter, so I hear. This is John F. Braun. And here, I paid my oil bill in Lee, New Hampshire, is <laughs> Pilot Pete. Man, I'm sorry to hear about your cold troubles, Dave. Get them fixed now. Yeah, that's what I'm working on here. So, yeah. The so bomb is heading our way. That's right. Pete is, this is the first time we've had Pete on the show when Pete is not in my studio with me. And that was just happenstance. But it was a really smart happenstance for Pete. Dumb luck, we call it. But really, we call it Pete luck. Because uh, Pete tends to have find these sort of lucky things. And, uh, I, yeah, as, as Pete implied and as I inferred, it's cold in my studio today because we woke up this morning and both sets of propane tanks, the tanks here at the office and studio and the tanks across the driveway at the house had emptied overnight because it's been really cold. We were on the delivery schedule for both uh, of them today, but uh, thus far only the house has gotten its delivery. So it's still, I think it's about 44 F here in the studio. It's probably lower than that now, but uh yeah, so if you're watching the video, that's why I have a hat on today, and that's why you'll see me clutching my my tea mug <laughs> or warming my hands over a candle. <laughs> All right. They say in aviation, Dave, it's better to be lucky than good. So I'll take it. Oh, story of my life too, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and John, yeah, we, we're all getting this nor'easter. <clears throat> supposed to hit, uh, we record on Fridays, of course, so by the time you all hear this, unless you're at live.macgeekup.com while we're doing it, it the nor'easter will have passed. But uh, but yeah, it's due to hit us early, early Saturday morning, maybe about 4 or 5 a.m. How about you, John? When is it? Uh, when are you supposed to get it? Uh, I think it's going to be starting tonight. <clears throat> got it. Yeah, sounds good. Well. Hopefully everybody's got heat and shovels and Stay warm and safe. Yeah. And, and yeah. supplies for French toast, because it seems like milk, bread and eggs are what we buy when there's a, a snowstorm coming. Don't know why, but, mm -hmm. you know, it's just it's part of the deal of living in living in the snowy places. All right. Let's uh, let's do this. Ben has uh, we'll, we'll go into quick tips first here. And Ben has a great quick tip for us. He says, you know, when you take a screenshot on the Mac and the thumbnail appears in the bottom right corner, 
Did you know that you can drag that thumbnail to drop it wherever you want to use the image, such as an email message? And by doing so, the screenshot never then gets saved to wherever your default location is, desktop or wherever. And, you, and as a, an aside, quick tip, you can uh, change that location of where they go. I, I use Onyx to change the location of my screenshots. But yeah, yeah, but it doesn't get saved when you do the drag and drop thing. And Ben uh, offers a little context. He said this approach may be easier than saving the screenshot to the clipboard by adding the control key or choosing save to clipboard in the screenshot tools options menu. I like that. Um, I don't know that it's easier than the clipboard, but I like the different option. I, and I say that very uh, Dave focused because I, I have my, my fingers trained and the nice part is I can take a screenshot and then it's just all keyboard and boom, 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 boom. There you go. Although I guess I'm using my mouse usually uh, to aim where I want the screenshot to go, but yes, thank you, Ben. Great, great stuff. So let me jump stuff. in on that because I tried it as soon as you talked about it, and yeah. I it, thank thank you for mentioning the control key. I tried it with the control key because that's what I always do. That adds it to the clipboard, right? So it's Shift Command Four, do it, and then it comes up. That's cool. Yeah, I I, I you know um, Shift Command Five is what we're supposed to be using for screenshots nowadays, right? Oh, well, that's okay. the new incantation that allows for all of this other stuff. Uh, command shift command three is the, the original, the OG screenshot that will take a screenshot of your entire screen, both monitors or all three monitors. If you have three, uh, and save it to the default location, which would be the desktop, uh, unless you've changed it. Command shift four is the one I became quite uh, enamored with and still use to this day, most of the time, mm -hmm. because it allows you to either draw a, uh, a, you know, a shape, a square a rectangle on the screen and have that screenshot taken or, if you hit command shift four and then hit space bar, you can float your mouse over a window and chew and then click your mouse and it, you will now get a screenshot of just that window, including like a little, you know, shadowed background and stuff. It's really nice. Oh, that's awesome. Right? I had no idea any of that. I've just been using shift control command four all these years yeah, and then using preview and command paste. And you're right to any of those command shift three, command shift four. Uh, if you add the control key, the destination then changes to just be your clipboard. So like a lot of times when I'm answering your questions that come into feedback at MacGeekGab.com, I'll do that. Y'all, uh, you know, to send you a screenshot, I hold down control shift command four, float over the window that I want. I hit the space bar, click the thing. Now that's on my clipboard, paste it into your email and you get a nicely formatted thing without my cluttered background and all that Wait, good where, stuff. Where do the questions come into feedback at MacGeekGab.com? Yeah, uh, Pete, I think he said feedback at MacGeekGab.com. I did. Yeah, I know I, my, my teeth are chattering here, so, <laughs> you know, I know you can't hear me all that well. Feedback, yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right, John, you want to take us to Harvey? Uh, Harvey's got a couple of keyboard tips here. Um, so he says, in one of the latest podcasts, you were talking about choosing between button options given when you have to make a choice, such as between replace or cancel. You mentioned that filled-in button can be chosen using the keyboard by just pressing the return key. You then gave a number of keyboard options to choose the unhighlighted button. In some cases, it is outlined. If the second option button has a highlighted outline, in my case, a blue one rather than a blue filled-in button, all you need to do is press the space bar to choose it. I now want to touch bar MacBook Pro. These two options are available without using the keyboard. I'm not sure the space bar option is available in Montreux since I have a touch bar MacBook Pro. And the secondary choice is not outlined. So I have no other way to test it. Mm. All right. Yeah, that makes sense, though. I like that. Mm -hmm. uh, the 
I, I don't. I guess it's possible my fingers already know this, but I, I don't know if I was asked to articulate it if I could have. So thank you, Harvey. This is great. All right, and then the uh, the second one. Um, you talked about using two hands to choose a number on an iPad slash iPhone when you are on the alphabet keyboard, and you don't want to switch to keep switching back and forth between number alphabet keyboards. Your tip was to hold the one, two, three key down with one hand, and while holding it down, press the number of the symbol uh, you want. And when you let go of the one, two, three key, you go, you remain in the alphabet keyboard. You don't need two hands for this operation. If you hold the one, two, three key down and slide it to the number slash symbol you want and let go, it does the same thing. Uh-huh. It's the same as when you want one of the choices that a key provides, such as uh, E with a little accent. You just press the key and slide, or if you want a capital letter, press Shift and slide to the letter you want. And when you release, it returns to the keyboard you were on. Cool. Yeah, that's so I I'm, like that. I'm up to three. I'm out of here soon. Uh, that's I'll it. have my five. No, you will have our five in the in the first. Well, I was going to say first five minutes, but we spent the first five minutes uh, prattling on. It, quite frankly, in, in atypical fashion, we usually get right to the meat, but, you know, it happens Sorry. sometimes. Ah, the meat wasn't ready. It's too cold. Things up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Good. I like that. Thank you, Harvey. Great stuff. And Patrick has um, it's a, a quick tip that I was going to share, but he did it better. Uh, he says, uh, looking at Dr. Sirhat Kurt's Mac reports, uh, of course, Sir Hot Kurt is now the owner of Mac Observer as well. He states that when trying to understand why files don't upload to iCloud, uh, some of the reasons can be characters in your file names. And he gives us some fantastic characters to avoid in file names. Things like the pound sign, the, the hashtag sign, if you want to call it that, at percent ampersand dollar sign greater than. Open squiggly bracket, closed square bracket, carrot, tilde. Uh, I will add two to that list. Uh, the one I learned the hard way is colon. Uh, Synology Drive will not sync files with colons in the file name. And uh, my son learned the hard way <laughs> this week not to put slashes, the forward slash, uh, in a file name. Backslashes would also be bad, but he... Um, you, know, you got that new M1 uh, MacBook Pro, the one that, that I had and was trying to decide whether I'd keep that or the air. I kept the air. He's got the M1 MacBook Pro off at school. He needed to submit uh, something for one of his programming classes, John, this week. And they used this app called Submit. And it was the first time he had used it on this new machine. And so great troubleshooting um, sort of tip, if you want to call it that, is your assumptions going in can cost you. And so he went to submit his uh, first assignment and, you know, launched this submit app, which is great because the teachers can grade inside it and all that good stuff. And he navigated to the folder where he saved his code and it was blank. And immediately he was like, crap, this is the first time I'm doing it. It's not M1 compatible. Like there's some problem or Monterey or whatever it is, major issue. And he's like, okay, well, I know there is a version of this app that runs in Ubuntu. So let me figure out how to set up a virtual Ubuntu machine on my uh, on my Mac. Well, the first thing he did is Reed has some he goes to Reed College. Uh, Reed has some uh, virtual machines that you can remote into, but you can't install apps on them, which he found out. So it's like, OK, can't do that. So then he figured I'll set up my own VM, which on an M1 gets 
there's a there's a, a narrower path that you must walk to set up virtual machines on the M1. And so he did that and tried to get Ubuntu running and he did and but couldn't get this submit app to run in Ubuntu because it's like sort of unsupported and yada yada. And so six hours have gone by of him trying to solve this problem. And then we just happened to have a scheduled Zoom call with, uh, you know, just a family kind of Zoom thing where we were chit chatting. And he told me about all this. I'm like, yeah, well, good luck, kiddo. You know, like you'll figure it out. And as often happens when you take yourself out of the weeds of troubleshooting and let your brain process and, you know, get some food and deal with the things that your body needs to do and all that stuff. Uh, at least this is what I find. Sometimes the brain keeps going on the back burner. And sure enough, he realized that he had also changed uh, not just to an M1, but he had changed his file naming conventions for this semester. And he figured he would start putting the dates in his names. And how would he put the dates in? With slashes. And as soon as he removed the slashes, everything appeared in the file browser and he was able to submit his stuff. So, yeah, the you know, those weird characters, the Mac is more forgiving than pretty much any other operating system and most cloud services, including iCloud. And that's, um, you know, that's the lesson that he uh, that he learned here. So uh, and, and that, that Patrick helped us learn, too. So. Yeah, watch those weird characters and file names. Doesn't well, they even know how to read parser these days? But, well, yes, fair. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you saw the one, um, you know about code injection attacks? I don't know if you ever saw this. Uh, XKCD, I think, is the, the cartoon. But um, uh, here's what happened if you don't write a good parser in... Basically, the gist of the cartoon is that um, the school called and said, um, uh, our database is corrupted. And it's like, well, why is that my fault? They're like, why did you name your kid Drop Table? Oh, oh little Bobby Tables. Yes. Little Bobby Tables. Uh, if you don't know, in, in a uh, database, in a SQL database, Drop Whatever um, basically deletes that data. So don't name your, your kid drop table. Cool. Uh, Pete, I'm going to ask you to mute your mic. Something happened when you were muting and unmuting, and now your gain is oh. like super hot. So we're getting lots of background Sorry noise about that. from you. Okay, let's see if yep. that changed over. It did not. Is that any better or no? That's better. Whatever you just did, Pete. Thank you. Yes. All right. Cool. Whatever you did. Thank you, thank you. Perfect. Sorry. That's no, it's better than muting. The problem solved. I like that. But yeah, little I didn't Bobby. Don't want anyone to hear the door closing in the background. Yeah, little Bobby tables. Uh, we'll put a um, we'll put a link to that comic, John. That's a that's a great one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. XKCD. But yeah, yeah. What, what did they um they uh named him with like semicolons and and you know, all that stuff with the with the MySQL drop tables command. I like it. But yes, yeah. Be careful of that stuff. Um. It's it can be it can be headachey. Yeah. All right. Uh, John, you want to take us to Allison? Allison's got a good hack here. Uh, Allison says, listener, both our shows at Tobias tip me off to this tip. You know how all the standard tripods use a one quarter inch, 20 thread per inch screw? Uh, I didn't know that. Um, it turns out lampshades do, too. That means if you're in a hotel room or pretty much anywhere, and need a tripod, just unscrew the lampshade and move the lamp anywhere you'd like, and you have a tripod. 
Uh, she even sent us a photo and I verified it with my point and shoot as well, because, um, that's, a that's the standard on cameras. I like it. I love hacks like this. What a great thing. Yeah, this is, um, this reminds me of when I was in my, I think it was, I was in my brother-in-law's apartment in New York city and needed to record an episode of uh, something that might've been this show or a small business show or something. And, uh, I, you know, I brought my little uh, audio technica mic, which has a like a really short mic stand. I'm like, I need it higher up. What can I place it on top of? Usually in hotels, I try to find like books or, you know, something. And then, oh, right. So if you're watching the video, you get to see that Pete is taking this tip in this moment. A paper towel roll is perfect to bring the mic up. You drop the stand down the middle of it. You leave the, the, the whole roll so that you get some insulation and some balance. And so now uh, with Allison's tip, I can use the lampshade for my light and it, you know, it wouldn't be right in front of me. It'd be off to the side, which is how light should be when you're trying to light for video. And, uh, and I use the paper towel roller, although I get a paper towel roller in a hotel room is tough. So I think I need to travel with a better mic stand, but uh, Mm. you know, but yeah. And then of course I'm so thick when Dave mentioned it, I'm thinking, well, how's this thing going to stand up? Cause I'm thinking just the cardboard core, like the middle core. <laughs> no, man, <laughs> you can, you can use I'm the whole thing. On the update. You know, we'll get there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> they let me fly airplanes. They do let you fly airplanes, big, heavy ones that are. Yeah. Could yeah. you, could you use the, um, uh, toilet paper roll? Nah, too small, I guess. Maybe. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. It would it would be too short is all. But mm-hmm. but like the same concept, two toilet paper rolls would work. That mm-hmm. that would be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be fine. All right. Fun. Uh, you want to take us to listener Joe, John? Uh, yes. So Joe says, I was getting irritated by the behavior of Safari when I linked to an article in an email to try to read it. Instead of opening the article in a new tab, Safari would open a new window. But the behavior wasn't consistent, and I only figured out what was happening when I realized that this is undesired behavior. That this undesired behavior only occurred when Safari was open to a tab group rather than in its standard mode. Makes sense since Safari doesn't want to open a new tab in a particular tab group unless you explicitly do so yourself. And a random new link incoming from your email app or elsewhere is not necessarily intended to go into a tab group. Um. Okay. I don't use tab groups. I like this. I, you know, I've tried to use tab groups and this makes sense, right? That you wouldn't want to add to a tab group. My issue is the way that I started with tab groups. Um, it might be the wrong example, but I, when I do my banking every month, I have a list of all the websites that I need to visit, right? That each credit card that I need to pay each bank account that I need to reconcile all of that good stuff. Right. And so I, um, I, somebody, somebody made, somebody has decided what the episode image is going to be for today. And it just appeared on my screen and you're going to love it. You've already seen it. Uh, but I, you know, so what I do is I have all those tabs or all those, those things open in tabs. And then as I go through each one, I close it. Right. And th- that way I know that I'm finished with whatever that account or website or, you know, whatever it is I need to check. The problem is, that doesn't really work in tab groups because a tab group remembers what you did to it, which is why new links won't open in it because it doesn't want it to save that. But if I close things in a tab group, well, that also remains. So I'm still using a bookmark group, uh, bookmark folder as my 
uh, as my banking tab group. But I have like like all the switches that I have in my house. I have in another folder. That would be a good one to put in a tab group so I can just switch to that tab group. I can see all my network switches and manage them and then just change out and boom, I'm good to go. So, yeah. All right. I, I, I'm talking myself into how to use tab groups properly. So, uh, and evidently when you're in a Google doc and someone pastes a picture at the top, it scrolls you to the top. So I didn't even know that my quick tip was next. And my quick tip is from, uh, I, you know, I'm a Fubo TV user. And one of the things I often use, uh, the Fubo app for is watching live sports on a slight delay. We'll call it, you know, we've been watching the Bruins lately, and I like to, you know, let it get 10 minutes into the game or so, so that I, you know, at least the first period break, I can sort of skip over a little bit, uh, you know, because hockey games have those 18 minute period breaks and it's, you know, that's a long time. So, you know, we'll, we'll be doing whatever we're doing around the house, finishing up dinner, the, the football will start recording game. And, uh, and then, you know, 10, 15 minutes in, I'll go to join the game. When I turn on the Fubo app, like many of the streaming uh, service apps, it wants to show me live TV. I don't know why this is. I, you know, it knows I record things. It can see that I never watch live TV. And yet it insists upon shoving it in my face. And what live TV does it shove in my face? The Bruins game that I was planning on going back to the beginning of and watching. And so I had gotten into this routine where I would turn on the TV and then I would start saying, you know, la, la, la. And I would put my hand like in front of my face so, so as to block the score and hope that I could hit the pause or exit whatever button in time before I learned the progress of the game. And then might as well just watch it live if I already know. And so I sent a note to Fubo about this and they had a great hack. I also ple- requested that they put a feature in that I could just turn off. Don't show me the live TV. It's totally fine. Just bring me to my recordings tab. I'm, I'm good. You know, give me a place to start here. But, um, but their tip was put different channels in your favorites list. And this works with the other streaming services that shove live TV in your face too. And so they were like, put the weather channel in, put, you know, something in that, that is not what animal planet, I think was one of the ones they recommended. I found like the Smithsonian channel and a couple of others that, that show interesting things, the history channel. So that when I turn on my TV, there's something, you know, the history channel is definitely not going to be telling me about the current status of the Bruins game. They're going to be telling me about things that happened long before we had television most of the time. And so, uh, yeah, I, it was just a great little hack and it has improved my quality of life far more than something like that should. But I love being able to turn on my TV and not feel myself all stressed about trying to, you know, avoid the inevitable. So it's good. I like it. I like that. Walk in. No, don't. Don't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't say a word. Yeah. I've, like I've, I, it had gotten to the point where it was like, I would tell the family, I'm like, stay in the other room and I'll, you know, I'll, uh, I'll take, I'll take this one for the team. Right. You know? So yeah, it's much better this way. I like it. I've got a quick ancillary comment. Yeah, man. Which is with these TV services uh, about uh, 18 months ago. Now I went to, AT&T TV, which became DirecTV Stream. Yep. And it was the first year for 49 bucks and then 90 bucks a month for the remainder of the year. Yeah. And I look, I went and looked, and I'm like, oh, I'm at 98 bucks. Well, it turns out they charge you five bucks for the a month for the piece of equipment, which I don't need, but you can't return that. You're, you're buying that. 
But I called and said, this is more than I expected to be paying. And they said, oh, good customer discount for you, $20 a month off for a year. So call your providers, tell them you're paying too much, ask them for a discount. And, I, you know, that's 240 bucks in my pocket for just, ask, just for asking. Just for picking up the phone and asking. Yeah, man, that's great advice. I And that's true with, I mean, that's a good life skill, right? Like that's not just your TV provider. Call anybody, call your cell provider. If Especially yeah. if you're like, they're not a sponsor of this episode or of any episodes right now, but you know, I know you, you and I are on mint mobile Pete because we got sick and tired of paying AT&T and Verizon and yeah. all that stuff. But if for whatever reason you choose to stay with an AT&T, twice as much. It, like <laughs> literally less than half. Yeah. I'm literally saving thousands of dollars a year. But if for whatever reason you're choosing to stay with the people that charge you too much, call them and tell them that they charge you too much. They will lower your rate because they know that if you're making that phone call, you know about, you know, whatever, the Xfinity Mobile or Mint Mobile or any of the others. There's another one that that is a Verizon MVNO that doesn't require you to have Xfinity service. And I sent it to you, John. I'll, I'll find it. I'll find it so that we can share it with people during Cool Stuff Found today, which we will get to. I promise. Uh, the next thing that I want to do, though, is talk about our first uh, few sponsors, if that works for you, John. Okay. All right. Our first sponsor today is Otherworld Computing with the OWC Mini Stack STX. So, Mini Stack, it's a little box that is the same form factor, shape, size as a Mac Mini, and it is built to stack your Mac Mini on top of it. What does it do? Well, it's got four Thunderbolt 4 ports. So, one of them plugs into your Mac Mini, and then the other three can be used to expand. To whatever you want, because it's got a Thunderbolt 4 hub inside it, right? So you're good to go there. It's also got inside it two connectors, a universal hard drive SSD bay and an NVMe M.2 SSD slot. And you can use those in a variety of ways. You can even combine them in a RAID 1 configuration. So you get to put the amount of storage in there that you want. Going onto their site, you can put up to 18 terabytes into the hard drive storage bay. You can put 8 terabytes into the SSD bay. That's 26 terabytes of total capacity, right? And, and then, you know, you can sort of make that work however you want. So it's there to take your Mac Mini and expand it in whatever way you want. Of course, you could use this with any kind of Mac. It doesn't have to be a Mac Mini or even a Windows machine. I, assume, I presume would work fine with this. But it, it looks great stacked underneath your Mac Mini. you got to check this thing out. You'll see it at MacSales.com. And MacSales.com is where John and I go whenever we need to expand our Macs. These folks know what they're doing. They know how to figure out what you need and they know how to support you and make sure that you are solving the problems and expanding your system in the way that you want to expand it. Go check it out. MaxSales.com. It's the, the mini stack STX that we're talking about here. And our thanks to Otherworld Computing for sponsoring this episode. You know, as an Apple admin, the more you let users control which apps are installed on their devices, the better for you. And that's why our sponsor, Kanji self-service app, lets you do just that on both iOS and macOS. Kanji provides next-generation Apple device management for your macOS, iOS, iPadOS, and tvOS devices. They know what they're doing in this regard. And what's cool, they in fact, the reason they're doing this sponsorship is they want to hear from you. They want to know what you need 
to serve your users best. And they want you to go to Kanji, K-A-N-D-J-I dot I-O slash M-G-G for a free demo or trial. Like I mentioned their self-service app. You can have it show users a curated list of the apps that they can install on their own. You can customize that self-service app with your own branding and help text and software categories even. And apps in Kanji's auto app catalog can be set to deliver via self-service. And once they're installed, they're kept patched and updated automatically. So this is a device management solution for high growth businesses that run on Apple devices. Kanji provides IT teams with what they need because they know that you often struggle with complex systems and you have to create these solutions from scratch when trying to get your company's Apple devices secure and configured. A new Mac can be transformed into a ready-for-work computer with all the right apps and settings in place by using Kanji. So you're going to want to check this out. And like I said, they want to hear from you. So please go to kanji.io slash MGG. That's K-A-N-D-J-I dot I-O slash MGG for a free demo and trial. You're going to love what you're going to see. Go check it out. And our thanks to Kanji for sponsoring this episode. All right, let's get to some questions, shall we? Why not? All right. Uh, Stephen has a question. Okay. Uh, one of my clients needs a photo manager that will find duplicates and facilitate the trimming. I recall you touching on one or two of these utilities many months ago, but I can't recall its name and a search of old show notes didn't help me. Uh, needs to run on an M1 MacBook Air. Any thoughts? Uh, yes, I have a thought. So um, I got my Google Foo going, Dave. And um, so first off, um, you know, typically if you keep all your photos in a single app like uh, Photos, which is what I do, um, it does a pretty good job of detecting dupes. I found if you try to add pictures and it already has one that has the same name, um, it says, hey, what are you doing? You, you really want to put two of these in here? Um hmm. So, uh, so the client, I'm sure, has photos in, in numerous places, which is why we want to do this. Um, so I did find one, Dave. So the first one that came up when I did a search is something called, surprise, Duplicate Photo Finder. Um, and I ran it on my photos database. Number one, it's really quick. I mean, I have like 140 gigs of photos. Sure. I checked. Um. And it did, it was interesting, Dave, because it did what I'll call a fuzzy match in that it went through my pictures and like some of them were from like uh, days of Mac world past and it would show two pictures. And the thing is, sometimes they were exactly the same, but sometimes they were close to each other. Okay. So I kind of like that feature because it's like, well, do you really need two pictures of this? Because you know they're pretty much the same. Interesting. Um, That's cool. And that was just, that was duplicate finder or that was photos itself that did that for you. No, no, uh, no, it's a, it's a program. And, yeah. You know, we'll have a link here. A uh, duplicate photos finder. Okay. All right. That, all right. We'll put, we'll put a link for that there for sure. I, um, I found a summary. Oh, go ahead. Um, yeah. And then another one, I found a, a summary at we, the geek, uh, top seven best duplicate photo finders for Mac in 2022. Um, and that lists various, uh, other ones. Gemini is one of them. Um, anyways, it, it's a good summary. It has, it has, uh, 
you know, yeah. check that out. So between those two, I, I think you should be okay. I, I would use power photos to do this. I, of, of course, oh. I didn't know anything about duplicate photos finder, uh, but uh, power photos is the, uh, the app that I use for all kinds of photos, library management, and uh, it, it definitely does a great job of finding dupes when I'm merging libraries together. So for sure, it I think it would it would help here, too. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, no, it's good to have lots of options. Good, good. All right. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully all of that uh, all that helps. While I'm uh, while I'm doing this, would you uh, bring I'll do the, the next one here. If you would bring Pete back in, because it looks like he uh, he left us. Oh. Uh, I will take us to David here and David uh, has a, a follow-up to something we talked about in the last episode. He said, I heard when you mentioned using uh, something to store your product manuals, he says, I thought about using books for this um, so that I could, you know, have one place where all of my product manual PDFs were stored. He says, uh, and it works. However, I wanted to share the collection with my wife and couldn't find a way to do it. Uh, the only thing I found in books was the way to share individual PDF files. Do you have an answer for this? And I think I do. Actually, it was the listener in the last episode was talking about using notes, not books. And if you create a user manuals notebook uh, in inside or, you know, folder, I guess is what we call them in notes. So you create a folder in notes called uh, you know, user manuals or whatever, you can then share that folder with, uh, you know, your family or other iCloud users and and they should be able to see it and, and participate with it and get all the stuff. So that's, th that, honestly, that's going to be the simplest way. There's there's a million different ways that we could come up with this, right? We could do a shared Dropbox folder, a shared, um, you know, Synology Drive folder. You could share an Evernote notebook, like you could do it all, but I think a shared notes folder, if, if you're talking with other iCloud users, is the uh, is the key. So, Coolio. All right. Um, any thoughts on that, John? No. Okay. Cool. Let's uh, let's go to Todd, shall we? While we're talking about uh, notes and the th interesting things that it can do because it's Mac OS. Yes. Um... All right, let me read. All right, when I use my iPhone, open notes, click the add new icon, um, click my camera, click scan documents, scan a one-page document and save it, I can select the text from my scan and copy it within the notes app. When I open the notes on my Mac, uh, running Monterey, and double-click on the scan, I get a pop-up window with the scan very similar to the preview app. I can also select the text and copy it. If I drag the scan out of the note to the finder and open the PDF with preview or Acrobat reader, I cannot copy the text. I assume iOS and macOS are using live text uh, to allow me to copy text and not actually OCRing the scan and sa saving it in the PDF. Um, and that's correct. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, it, it, you're right. It's using the live text feature of of Monterey in, in iOS 15 to do that. I, I mean, that is OCR. So, like, I, I don't want to say it's not OCR because it most definitely is. But I don't think it's it's not converting the document from a picture into, you, you know, like a PDF with text or something like that. It remains a picture, right. but it, it, it has OCR'd it. 
And that's mm-hmm. one of the, the handy things is like that gets to usually link with spotlight the right way. I mean, it's still not perfect, but you know, yeah. yeah. So if you want that, um, if you want a searchable PDF, uh, you'll need some third-party software to do it. Um, I agreed. Yes. The most obvious is Adobe Acrobat. Right. Um, but from what I tell, tell they want money for, uh, for doing that for you. Uh, another option would be if you have an image scanner, see if their software can OCR the PDF. Um, this came up in, uh, in another question. Uh, but I have the Fujitsu ScanSnap home software, and they license, uh, and if you go to the about box, but they license something called Abbey Fine Reader, which certainly uh, OCRs. But here's a bonus tip, Dave. I'm like, you know, I'm I'm cheap, man. I don't want to spend any money on doing this. Um, I found a website that'll OCR your PDF for free. Oh, all right. Uh, What's that website? Uh, it's in the notes here. Hold on. Okay. Well, yeah, we want to put it in. We want people to know what it's, what, where they're going. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like it's Sejda, S-E-J-D-A is what you found. Uh, all right. That's cool. We'll put that, we'll put that in the show notes. I would also say, um, check whatever app you are using to scan things on your phone. I mean, if you're using Apple's app, then you already know what the capabilities and limitations of that are because we just talked about it. But you know, if you if you well, if you have PDF pen uh, on your iPhone or PDF scan or any, you know, any of those things that you're using to scan PDFs into your create PDFs in your iPhone with uh, with your camera, many of those will offer OCR. They're not all going to be free. In fact, OCR is usually going to be one of the premium, you know, plus features uh, that they put there. But but yeah, there's the, these engines are everywhere and you may not need it to OCR your document, right? Like live text, you may not need a final document that's OCR. You might just want to be able to search based on the text in something and that live text will do for you, which is pretty cool. I, I'm, I'm curious to see where Apple takes that next. It's it's it, they're They are using OCR in a way that most people need not the way it's been delivered to most people in the past, right? Cause it's been delivered in the past. Like if you want to OCR, then you have to create a brand new document that now is text and is not your original. Whereas live text says, eh, you took this as a picture. You probably want it as a picture, but you want to know what the text is in the picture. Don't you? That's all. And I, I kind of like what Apple's doing with it, which is, you know, they, That's they, pretty cool. right. They, Dave, Apple, you mentioned the PDF. Go ahead. Yeah, you mentioned PDF Pen, and you know, again, set app, right? It comes with set app. Um, so PDF Pen and that OCR is it now? Set app isn't free, but man, you get a lot of cool stuff with it. And one of those things goes back to an earlier tip, which is Gemini, which is a duplicate finder. So yeah, right. You know, will that find duplicate photos? Will Gemini do that? Yes, if oh. you can drag your photos library into Gemini, and it will find them. I was doing it last night. Wow, gigabytes saved. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's gr- i had no I, you know i knew I, like if you had asked me for a duplicate file finder i would have said gemini had no idea it would do it for photos but of course it'll do it for photos yeah. and yeah you're right set up the one caution i will add to that is close photos before you have gemini delete the duplicates or it'll corrupt the database get all mad at you it'll restart and it'll recover for it maybe it did for me yeah but why take the chance? Yeah, let let Pete's lesson be a lesson for us all. That's Open right. Up that database. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That really is the 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 core of the show, isn't it? 
is is the lessons of one can become the lesson for many is right. is what it is like like lucas's six hour tour the other day like yeah that wasn't wow. like I, I i we've all been there i was i was talking to a, a friend of mine who i've hired to do some programming with one of the other projects that we do and i was telling him that story the other day and he's like yeah he's like you know that, that like there's something to be said for experience but of course you get that experience by doing those six hour tours like you you have to do those but, you know, as I said to him, he's like, yeah, I would never put slashes in a file name. I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, but you and I know that because we've been through, you know, not just one, but probably five different six hour tours trying to solve the problem a different way until we realized what the problem actually was. <laughs> so hopefully our experience can help you. That's the whole idea of what we do here. And it's not just our experience. It's, it's our collective. When I say our, I mean the audience, the, the, the Mac Geekab family's collective experience. We all help each other. That's the key. All right, let's see if we can help Susan, shall we? She um, she has some cameras, and she wants them to talk to each other. She says, uh, I've been collecting different brands of security cameras, we'll call them, uh, for a number of years, trying to find the sweet spot between functionality and price point. I have several of the following, Amazon Cloud Cams, Casa Cams, Eufy Cams, and Wise Cams, for a total of 10 cameras inside uh, the house and four outside. It is time consuming and certainly not productive to chase the pets around the house by going to four different cam apps so that I have. A, so I have abandoned my search for the perfect webcam and just want to standardize on one webcam. That makes sense. OK, she says, I'm just having difficulty in determining which one that should be, given that I want to maintain at least 10 cameras inside the house. Uh, the inside webcams are all at ground level and track Things like pet feeding dishes, litter boxes, and all the crevices that my nervous cat, who does not want to go into the vet, can hide. These are This is smart. I like this idea. This is a person that knows how to live in her home. This is great. Okay. Uh, she says that Amazon Cloud Cam was by far the best in quality, but it also was the most expensive, and they have been discontinued, although Amazon says it will continue to support them. Casa is the next best in quality and also in price at just under $50 a camera. I've got a good deal on some Eufy cameras, and I like their quality, too. I use them inside and outside the house. The largest number of webcams that I have are the Wise brand, and although they're the least expensive, I'm not buying any more as the quality of the picture, the slowness to connect, the ability to get knocked offline, and the sometimes very frequent need to update the cameras all put them firmly at the bottom of my list. Unfortunately, I have the most of these because they were cheap. If I could slave all of these cameras into one master app, where I could look at all of the indoor cameras at once, I would be happiest. But I've done a little searching, and it doesn't look as though that's possible. If I'm missing something, of course, let me know, please. Really, I'm just wondering if there is an inside webcam that you would recommend. Uh, while a setup for outdoor cameras would be nice, I'm not as concerned about having a master setup for the outside cameras, which are a mixture of Eufy and Wise, as I generally only need to look at one at a time. All right. I, I feel you, Susan. I am in the same boat. I don't have exactly the same brands, but I have lots of different brands. The way I have, and I want one interface. And you know what? I have one. This may or may not work for you, but I'll share what I've done. And then we'll talk about how to zoom out a little bit and, and solve it. The, I have the home app. Apple's home app uh, is my one place to go and look at all of my cameras. But of course, most of my cameras are not natively HomeKit compatible. So the way I solve that is I use a, an app called Hoobs, 
you could also use an app called Homebridge. They are both effectively the same thing. In fact, Hoobs is based on Homebridge. They just have different interfaces and ways of working with them. These need to run on a, a server in your house or a computer in your house, I should say, that that is on all the time. That could be one of your Macs, but that means leaving one of your Macs awake uh, 24-7. Uh, I have one. I have Hoobs running on my Synology disk station. You could run it on your Raspberry Pi. Uh, you can even buy a box from Hoobs directly that will run it. So there, there are lots of options. What Hoobs and Homebridge do is they link your non-HomeKit devices with HomeKit. Not every brand of device is supported, but most of them are. And it's got great camera support. I have my Ring cameras in HomeKit, which is something that Ring said that they would bring to us, and they still have it. But uh, but it doesn't matter because I've got them in there. I have my Eufy cams are already HomeKit compatible. I'm trying to think of what other cameras I have. I have a Foss cam. Just a, it, and this may be another way for you to go, and I, I'll, I'll get more into it in a second. But my FosCam camera is not linked to, I mean, there's the FosCam app, but it is just an IP-based camera where I can, you know, log into the camera with a web browser, but also so can Hoobs. And so it just logs into it and, and makes it a HomeKit camera. Uh, that, that, that is, it's a fantastic solution because everybody in my house has uh, home, you know, the home app on their iPhone because HomeKit, you know, is Apple's thing and it works great. The other way you could do this, uh, or the, at least the other way I could do it, is using Synology's uh, Synology Disk Station has an app called Surveillance Station, which also will link to some cameras. Most of the cameras that it will link to are like my Foscam camera, which are just you know, open source cameras and not locked into an ecosystem like a ring or a, you know, a nest cam or any of those, you know, that your wise camera or anything. I don't think surveillance station will work with, it doesn't work with most of those. It might work with some, but that's not really the path for someone that's already gotten investment into these ecosystems to head down. But that those, you know, that's the solution. If you want to tie many different cameras together is if, if the cameras work with surveillance station, then the, and you have a Synology disk station. So that's a lot of ifs. That would be one way to go. The other way is, is Hoobs or Homebridge. Otherwise you've just got to pick one. And I don't have a specific, I mean, if, if folks out there have a specific brand to standardize on, let us know, you know, feedback at MacGeekab.com as we said, but I, like, I don't know that there is any one perfect one. The perfect one is whatever works for you. So I've got a question. Yeah, man. Uh, so I've got like an 11 year old MacBook Air. It sounds like it doesn't need much processing power. No, no. Hoobs and Homebridge do not. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So if you go to something like refurb.me and buy a $300 10 year old MacBook Air or something like that, you can leave that running all the time. You could. Yeah. Or, I, go ahead. Um, oh, the other question was, will the Apple TV, is there an app that'll run that? It, no, it doesn't run the home app. It, it can run the home app, but it's not going to run home bridge. So, yeah, okay. yeah. It, it, but an Apple TV would be the perfect, you know, lightweight server to run. They just Apple doesn't allow us to install hoobs or home bridge on it. Right. That it, it could. So it could. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I'm trying to think about uh, other other solutions. Oh, you said a MacBook Air. That would be fine. I would look for a non-screened computer, like a Mac Mini or something, 
just so that you're not dealing only because of the form factor, right? You know, a, a MacBook Air, you've got to leave open somewhere, right? Whereas a Mac Mini, and you can run it in headless mode, right? Where you just remote into it and, uh, you know, and, and use it that way. So uh, you'd need a monitor to get it set up and rolling, but otherwise then headless would be fine. Right. So I don't know. What do you think, John? Um, I don't know. Um, okay. If you're going to get a camera, yeah, um, I like the um, surveillance station thing, but that only works with IP addressable cameras. But they give you a huge list of the ones that they support. So. Yeah, 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 exactly. So you may want to consider that before you get a camera. I have a, I got the Eufy one, which is in, yeah, and that's not IP accessible. At least I don't think it is. Um, the Eufy ones, yes, they are. I've been able to to connect to the Eufy, some of the Eufy cameras with uh with surveillance station. The other thing that you can use, as Brian Monroe in our chat points out, is that Wise cameras, which he has a ton of, uh, have a beta firmware or an alternative firmware that Wise has made available to allow you to effectively just make them IP cameras. And then, yes, you could link those with a surveillance station or or, or what have you. Um, so that that could work, too. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know that that's going to solve the issue of it being, um, you know, uh, it, it, needing updates regularly or the low quality. Certainly, it's not going to fix any of that. But if you've already got a bunch of them, it, it, you know, again, you would also need a Synology disk station. So. Unless you've already got that stuff, it's I do not recommend that path, right? Like you're going to be spending far more money than than you would need to to just buy a bunch of standalone cameras that work in in the same app because they're all from the same vendor. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, if you've got a bunch of those and you have a Synology disk station, why not try it out? But yeah, RTSP is the protocol that um, cameras use, the open source cameras use. That's what happens when you install the wise cam beta firmware that's what happens on the eufy cameras you can go I, I was able to go into the eufy app and turn on rtsp support for my cameras and then i was just able to point disk station at it and or surveillance station at it and it worked great yeah yeah all right you want to take us to steve john yes uh steve has a question for us regarding the need for solutions such as time machine or carbon copy cloner and similar backup solutions I store all of my files, photos, documents, work stuff on my Synology, which is backed up via CloudSync to Backblaze. And in iCloud, I have the two terabyte plan, which is more than adequate for my needs. If my MacBook was to get stolen or my Mac Mini at home was to die or any other tragedy afflicted any of my machines, I'd lose nothing. I would just have to reinstall my applications and I'd be up and running. So that being said, is there still any value in using Time Machine or Carbon Copy Cloner? If I store nothing locally on any of my Macs, what am I really... Uh, what am I really backing up? My applications? I'm interested in your thoughts and your advice. You guys speak so highly of products such as Carbon Copy Cloner. It makes me often wonder if I'm missing out on something I should be doing just to be safe. Are there benefits to Carbon Copy Cloner or Time Machine beyond just backing up my files? Um, I think he's pretty much following the, uh, there's this thing called the 321 backup rule. Uh, three copies of the data, two different types of media, one site, uh, one copy off-site. And it sounds like he's doing that. Um, the only thing you're missing is having a bootable clone. Um, Time Machine won't really do that for you, but that's exactly what Carbon Copy Cloner is for. Um, 
the benefit I would see is that it helps reduce the amount of time you have to, uh, I mean, he said, yeah, uh, all I have to do is reinstall my applications, but if you have a clone, then you don't have to reinstall your applications. So that's, that's my take. Yeah. 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 I, you know, I use time machine. I don't prioritize it. Um, it has proven and I've been using time machine since it started. Right. So I, I am bringing baggage with me into this conversation and into my current decisions. Uh, time machine has not always been the most reliable. It gets flaky. The backups get corrupted. You have to restart them. It, it, it's not very good at telling you when it is not working, which I think is terrible. Uh, you know, so like I have it on my calendar once a month to check my backups and I go and I look and make sure everything's backing up. My, I am never surprised by anything that is not working other than time machine because my other backup apps will eat like carbon copy cloner will email me when it's failing that I like that. That's good feedback to get, you know, whereas time machine, yeah. you have to like, you have to go and seek out the whether or not it's succeeding and that I don't like that about it. So I don't, it's weird, right? Because I, I let time machine run. I, I absolutely do. Um, and if I, there are times when it is the first place I go to restore from because it's so easy and right there at my fingertips, but I don't expect it to work. And I, I think that, may be the the most telling piece of information I've shared is it is not the thing like when I if I were to go into time machine and find out oh yeah you know it hasn't been backing up for two weeks and so it doesn't have the copy of that file that I wanted yesterday I'd be like all right well I'll just go to the next place you know I'll go to my my clouds my Synology drive which I, syncs all my files and does versioning or I'll go to my carbon copy cloner backups because I know that you know those worked because I got the email about it you know those kinds of things so I wouldn't I would be disappointed, but I would not be in trouble when I found that time machine had been failing me for a, an unspecified period of time. Um, so, yeah, like, do I recommend not using it? I mean, I don't recommend only using it. Let's put it that way. Right. Um, yeah. And the nice thing about carbon copy cloner is that it does what they call a backup health check. You could find this in. Um, advanced settings, performance, and analysis. And that basically compares the the files between the source and the destination. And if there's a difference, it'll it'll take care of it and probably warn you too. Yeah. Yeah. So it could be a sign that some drive is somewhere is failing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe that's the theme of this episode is silent failures are bad because mm. time machine failing silently, that's bad. My mm. boiler failing silently it, because it has no propane, also so bad. <laughs> also bad. I will say this: I have an EcoBee thermostat in the house, and it sent me an alert that said there might be something wrong with your boiler. Uh, we have been calling for heat for four hours, and in that period of time, the temperature has dropped three degrees. That is a valuable piece of alert to get piece your of backup has failed. <laughs> your backup has failed. Yeah. But like it, it figured it out. Like that's, yeah. you know, it, it can't know what's going on with my boiler, but it can know that it's trying to get heat and the temperature is dropping and correlating those two. Like I found that really, really smart. So if silent. You only sent an email to the gas company. 
Well, that would be the next thing, wouldn't it? You know, um, we did get a new boiler. This is a this gas this propane boiler that we have is is new, but um, I opted not to pay the. I mean, it would have been thousands extra to get the Wi-Fi boiler. But if I had, I it would have sent me the error code F four right. Like when I went into the the our boiler room, I you know the, it has a little LED or LCD screen on it rather. And it, it said F4 and I was easy able to look that up and it was like, oh, no flame detected. Like, OK, well, what 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 things are required for a flame? Propane would be one of them. <laughs> so. All right. Hey, we have some uh, some cool stuff found and one other probably one other question to go through. The next thing that I want to do is talk about our next back of, batch of back batch of sponsors, if that works for you, John. OK. All right. Hey, you know, the last year has been crazy, right? I mean, I I don't have to tell you that. But what I can tell you is that I have been sleeping really well over the last year. And I attribute that to the fact that for the last year plus, I have been sleeping on a mattress from our sponsor, Helix Sleep. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. And Helix knows that everybody's unique, right? So they have several different mattress models to choose from. Soft, medium, firm. They've got mattresses that are great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. And even a Helix Plus mattress for plus size folks. It's very cool. They know what they're doing. Uh, We wound up, you know, I took the quiz, of course, and uh, Lisa took the quiz as well. We wound up with the Midnight Mattress, and as I said, it's been wonderful. Really a huge upgrade over what we were using previously. It's amazing. I, I love getting into bed with this thing every night. It's fantastic. So if you're looking for a mattress, go take the quiz, order the mattress that you're matched to, and the mattress will come right to your door, ship for free. You don't ever need to go to a mattress store Again, and you do this all at helixsleep.com slash MGG. That's where you go and take the quiz and go through all this stuff. It just takes a couple of minutes. It's actually kind of fun because they ask you, you know, a few questions and it's like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders right now and two free pillows for you, our listeners, at helixsleep.com slash MGG. So make sure you go helixsleep.com slash MGG and our thanks to Helix Sleep for sponsoring this episode. Next up is Truebill. How many free trial subscriptions end up costing you hundreds, if not thousands of dollars, long after forgetting to cancel? Truebill, our sponsor here, is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, that you don't want, or that you simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. And because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, that's why Truebill exists. They make it incredibly simple. You just link up your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. I've been using Truebill for a few months and and it's all true, right? I, I, I No pun intended. I They went and found like oh, we had a bunch of subscriptions for Mac Observer that we needed to go and like cancel. And it went and found them and made it super easy to just like get rid of them. But it also monitors my spending and it'll tell me, you know, how much I spent each week or it'll like recently I I don't know, I forget what I bought, but it 
it said, hey, you spent, you know, whatever, $104 on a category that you don't usually spend. That's a good thing to know that that expense was fully legitimate and valid. But it's kind of a nice thing that they noticed, you know, anomalies from your patterns. That's a good thing. Truebill has over 2 million users, right? And they've helped save those people over $100 million. So don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash MGG. Go right now. Truebill.com slash MGG. They could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash MGG. And our thanks to Truebill for sponsoring this episode. Hey, you want a new podcast to look forward to each week? One that's entertaining, informative, and packed with actionable content? Of course you do. The uh, studies say that the average podcast listener has six shows in rotation. So it's very likely that you're not just listening to Mac Geek Gab. In fact, I would be shocked if that's the, if this was the only show that you listen to. And that's totally OK. And we have a podcast to add to your list. The Jordan Harbinger show is a top shelf podcast named best of Apple in 2018. Jordan dives into the minds of fascinating people. Reed Hoffman, the, the co-founder of LinkedIn was one of the recent people on there. Dwayne Wade, who spent 16 years playing basketball for the Miami heat, Sammy, the bull Gravano. They did a two part episode series with, uh, with Jordan over there. This is great stuff. You've got to check this out. Harbinger has an undeniable talent for getting his guests to share never been heard before stories and thought provoking insights. He's a master interviewer and without fail, he pulls out tactical bits of wisdom in each episode. Point blank. Jordan Harbinger is smart, funny and easy to listen to. And you'll be pressed to find an episode without excellent conversation. I love listening to Jordan's show when I'm driving in the car and stuff like that. He's funny. And like I said, super actionable. You can't go wrong with adding the Jordan Harbinger show to your rotation. It's incredibly interesting and there's never a dull show. Search for the Jordan Harbinger show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts and our thanks to the Jordan Harbinger show for sponsoring this show. All right. Hey, um, we got a note from Scott that I think is a note. Uh, a lot of us are going to be getting or have gotten in the last few days. Scott says, I have had what Google calls G suite legacy now for years. He's been using this to manage. We all have used G suite legacy. Uh, if we started with it, to manage our email, uh, Google has they've now moved on and it's called Google or Workspace, but it is the uh, system where Google is your email provider for your custom domain. Right. And it was built for companies, but they allowed this free version or they had this free version. And anybody who had it when they sunsetted it, what, 11 years ago or nine years ago or something was able to keep it for free. Uh, and it was great. You know, we used it. In fact, we used it. We use it for Mac Geek Gab. We use it for Mac Observer. We use it for Backbeat. We use it. I use it for my family stuff. Like it was a, it's a great, great thing. And it's really nice to have email managed for free. But we all knew this was going to come to an end. And that end is this year. Google sent an email out to all of us uh, saying that this was sunsetting. And I think as of July 1st. Uh, we would need to either move our domains away or upgrade to the paid version. And it's, you know, as, as Scott, as listener Scott put it in his email, he says, I don't want to pay Google 36, $36 a month for email with five family members in the shared account. 
because it's, you know, he's got, he's got six accounts that he uses. He says, do you have any thoughts? So the first thought that I want to share is that this will be an ongoing conversation. Um, this has just happened for all of us there. I, I will tell you that for completely different reasons, I went looking for a solution like this a month ago, did not know that this was coming. So uh, I did some research. I couldn't find anything that would let you manage your emails, custom domain for free other than and, and you know, <laughs> we talked about this iCloud's uh, iCloud Plus's custom domain. Right. That, and that may be the answer. If you're already paying for iCloud, that can be the answer for you. However, that's pretty limited right now and may or may not do what you need. But if you have everybody in your iCloud family account that you need to do that, you might be able to make it work. It's not as flexible, nearly as flexible as pretty much every other solution out there. But it is simple and it is uh, included with even the least expensive iCloud plan. So that would be one way to go. However, the first thing that you're going to want to do if you are on this uh, plan is something that Pete, you pointed out to me the other night. Google has a little survey for people who are using this. Better to be lucky than good. Better to be like, oh, we'll take it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the hive mind, man. It's great. So Google has this little survey and we put a link to it. Uh, you have to be logged in as your G suite legacy account to go fill this out, but log into that. Then go click on the link that we have in the show notes to go fill out the survey. They are asking people, Hey, are you using this for, truly for personal use? Because, and they already clearly have some thoughts on this because they have, they have some, um, uh, p- parameters. They're like, if you're using it for personal use only and have 10 accounts or less in your G suite, we want to hear from you. And so they clearly are considering they have a, they have a solution. They're just trying to figure out how many people are going to try and take advantage of it and how to compartmentalize it so that the right people take advantage of it and not the wrong people in Google's mind. Right? So I, I think there is hope for this. And certainly we have several months. If, if you are in this scenario where you have these, you know, this G suite legacy and you're getting it for free, I would not make any moves right now. I would breathe and wait and figure it out. Google's saying you have to fill out this survey by April 1st, right? So we've got two months to do that. And then sometime between April 1st and the end of June, when, you know, this is all supposed to change, We're going to get a lot more messaging from Google about what the future of this looks like. What we're also going to get in this, you know, several month period of time is feedback from all of you, some more research from all of us here. And we will find a way to get we we will find the best solution to move forward. And I don't think it's going to be a universal best. Right. iCloud custom domains are going to work for a lot of people. Uh, And then for those of us uh, for whom they don't for specific reasons. Well, hopefully we'll find something else. We might wind up paying for email, though, and I'm not going to say that's a bad thing. I had moved my uh, main email account over to FastMail a couple of years ago when they first came on board as a sponsor for the show. And I've been super happy with FastMail and they do custom domains. Their spam filtering is actually I like it better than Google's because I can configure it and it actually listens to me when I tell it, hey, you know, this, this isn't spam. It doesn't put the next one into spam. So there are options. We might need to pay 
And it does get expensive when you've got multiple, you know, people in your family with, you know, that all have accounts on the same domain. But, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll get there together. How's that sound? Yeah. Any, I mean, any thoughts from either of you out of the gate? Certainly, you know, let's yes. get the conversation started. Go, John. Yes. Uh, maybe take a look at Synology Office. For hosting your own email? No, no. For Well, part of G Suite is is apps, right? Yeah, but you get, that's free. They've announced that Google Docs will be free for everybody oh, forever. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, no, no, this is just a, this is just the email. I mean, there are some other services that are part of the, the paid portion of G Suite, but, but no, Google Docs is, um, that's free. They've already announced that they announced that years ago that, that, okay. that, that would all right. remain free. But I will say, I love using Synology Office. I use it for one of the companies we have here for all of our stuff because we decided we didn't want Google having our data and it it works great yeah yeah but again that, that's certainly not free you got to go pay for oh, no. a synology disk station <laughs> to, to join that club yeah, yeah the, the synology disk station could host your own email domain i do not recommend uh that for two reasons one you don't want to be in control of your own mail server trust me on this number two <laughs> you don't want to be hosting your email on your home connection even if your provider would let you and most will not. Most uh, don't, right? Yeah. yeah. Like Consolidated would. Consolidated has absolutely no limits on my connection, Pete. I can do whatever I want yeah. with it. But <laughs> even still, like I have no interest in, in you know, being a single point of failure on email. My goodness. No. <laughs> no. So. Well, yeah. plus all the garbage is going to transit your your IP. <sighs> absolutely. You know, your home. That's yeah. true. Yeah, right. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, and if someone—I don't know—I guess uh, there are probably ways to, to hack you and take over your mail ser- or use your mail server for spam. Oh, I'm awfully easily. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you don't want to be managing a mail server. I, I like, I, I one of the happiest days of my life was the day I decided to stop being the person who managed a mail server, let alone the day that I actually stopped being the person who managed a mail server. But just the the decision was the most freeing thing I'd ever been through up until that point. So, yeah. All right. A um, couple of cool stuff found. I promised earlier in the episode that I would share that mobile service that's a Verizon MVNO. MVNO means it uses Verizon towers, but they do their own billing. And it is visible mobile service. I've got a link to it. It's at visible.com. And uh, I was looking quick on their page. Unlimited uh, uh, plans are 25 bucks a month. So you can do the math real fast knowing what you're paying for, you know, your your expensive carriers. And of course, then Mint Mobile is the other one that, uh, like I said, they used to be a sponsor. That's what Pete and I use. And that um, that's a T-Mobile MVNO, but uh, works great. I've been I've been loving Mint. Um, I got to pay for international because I'm going to be going to Mexico next month. But I'm not that much, though. No, use it so little. Unlike yeah. the others who charge you 10 bucks a day. Correct. Um, you know, you'll use it 10 bucks a year or maybe 20. That's it. Yeah, exactly. I said, I remember saying to Lisa, when we moved to mint, I said, you know, when we travel out of the country, it's going to feel like we're spending more money because we are, because there's this surcharge now to go to Mexico and Canada and pay for data there and all this other stuff. I said, but we just need to remember we're spending that out of the thousands per year that we save, (laughs) you know? So if we spend a hundred bucks per year, on international roaming, we're still way ahead of the game, yeah. even though in the moment it doesn't feel like it. So, yeah. <sighs> and, well, and I have another thing, actually, and I'll see if I can find the link for it. Okay. Um, I, I have a thing called a Pokefy, P-O-K-E, 
FI okay. that I use for my international data. And it's a little, it's smaller than a cigarette box. It's like the old uh, cellular Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah, it sure. It comes loaded with five gigs. And I think it's 15 bucks for five gigs when it gets low. And I just use Wi-Fi and I use Wi-Fi calling from all over the world. It's it's worldwide. Right. And, yeah. And it, it comes from Hong Kong. It's a, I want to guess it's about 160 bucks. Comes loaded with its first five gigs, and I okay. think it's fifteen bucks to load another five gigs on. I'll see if I can find that link. But I, I put a link in the pokey find. in the show notes. Yeah, and if you've got a referral yeah. link, Pete, feel free. We're yeah. happy to share that yeah. in the show too. Wow, that's what I carry with me for my international data. Yeah, and and phone calls. And here's why. Uh, here's here's how I found out I needed it. Was uh, it, guess what? Of all the places I go. Says uh, Mint Mobile says Alaska and Hawaii are not supported. Well, Hawaii it works, but when I'm in Alaska, I get no bars. Oh, no roaming, no nothing. But I can turn that on, and I can make phone calls from Alaska. And, and you're making phone calls from your number because you're using Wi-Fi yes. calling. Yes. Oh, this is a good solution. Yeah. Huh. I knew there was a reason we, we had you on the show today, Pete. Yeah, every now and then, you know, uh, <laughs> better to be lucky than good. <laughs> hey, we got lucky today. I'll take it. There you go. Cool. Um, speaking of home Wi-Fi and, and, and using cellular service uh, for things like this, Patrick, uh, his first contribution to Cool Stuff Found this week is CellMapper.net. And uh, as soon as I find Patrick in our our expanding list here, I'll explain why he says um, he says I've been using CellMapper.net uh, for he has a home. He has one of those T-Mobile uh, home hotspots. Right. So you pay 50 bucks a month. You get unlimited data uh, and it's Wi-Fi, you know, in your home. So basically what you talked about with this PokeFi thing, Pete, but, you know, yeah. built for to be permanent in, in your house. Yeah. And he was getting slow service. And so I said, well, you know, maybe it's, you know, you've got, you know, maybe you're not too close to a tower or whatever. And he says, using cellmapper.net, I was able to determine the closest T-Mobile tower was on the northeast side of my house. And I had our gateway device in my office hardwired uh, on the southeast side. So I moved it and uh, things have gotten better. So... CellMapper will let you know where your towers are nearby, and that can be helpful for a lot of reasons, mostly just be for geeky stuff. But, you know, sometimes the geeky stuff, like with Patrick, pays off. So thanks for the heads up about that, Patrick. That's good stuff. Pretty good, huh? Mm -hmm. I like it. I never knew about CellMapper.net. This is why we do this show, so we can learn. Hey, uh, you want to take us to Todd with his cool stuff found? We got time for one or two more, so we'll see where Todd goes. Yes. Sweet. All right, so a little background on this. We... uh uh, in a prior show, someone had lost their uh, sidebar folders, and it's like, well, let me replace the Finder P list. Well, as it turns out, it's not in there. <laughs> Got it. And then we thought, well, how can I find out what file that is stored in? And um, so that's the background. Yeah. Um, if you want a handy way to track down where preference files is located that handles the Finder sidebar, use fsmonitor.com. Once you give it the proper security permissions, you can let it run in the background by making the change to your Finder sidebar. Come back to fsmonitor and we'll list out the files that change. It's handy in this scenario, but it can help in lots of others, uh, FS being. Uh, so, so I guess what it's doing is it's intercepting what we call FS events, which are file system events. 
Very nice. Yeah, I think I use. I thought I had used it, but yeah, that's a pretty that's a pretty cool thing. I I I had used like saved searches to find like recently used files to uh, approximate this in the past, but they never it never found everything. Like like especially Mm plist files, like you had to you had to trick the finder into showing you things. So ah, I like this. That's good. That's good. All right. Well. I find that a good place to uh, good place to bring in the band. It's uh, we've hit our we've hit our quota, and I got to tell you, if it was forty four degrees in my office when we started this episode, it's less. It's less now. My fingers are freezing as I'm scrolling down in the agenda here. Uh, one thing that I will do to warm up in the studio is I'll play my drums. You can hear that if you. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. The uh, band that I play in called Fling. We released our EP this week called The World Is In Our Hands. It's got six, uh, I think we put six songs on it. Well, I can't remember. But uh, all original stuff, and uh, I think you're going to like it. It's on Apple Music. I'll put the Apple Music link in there, but it's also on Spotify and YouTube and, you know, uh, everywhere else. Yeah, Pete. Oh, oh you were just yeah, you were just giving a thumbs awesome. up. Yeah, that's great. It's on Spotify. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's on Spotify. It's everywhere. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's been fun. Um, where else do you want to tell them to go, John? What do you have to, what do you have to share? Um, there's always twitter.com I am John Ebron he is Dave Hamilton Mackie Gab is the podcast and Pilot Pete Pilot Pete there he is yeah the band moved outside today to warm up I, I had to I had to coax them to come back in <laughs> it's a good thing it maybe 22 but at least a 20 that's right <laughs> I have a I light a candle as you as many of you know went to record the sh- before I record the show I like to have this minty smell in the air and so I've been warming my hands over that uh, while we've been recording I'm not proud folks it's just how it is and you get to see one of my uh, nice winter hats if you watch the YouTube video today you can see us on YouTube at macgeekab.com slash YouTube that'll redirect you to our YouTube channel which I think is just youtube.com slash macgeekab podcast if I remember correctly. All right, that's what I got. That's what we have. Thanks uh, thanks for listening, folks. Thanks for having fun with us. Make sure you check out our sponsors at uh, macgeekup.com slash sponsors. And, uh, yeah, thanks for coming, Pete. Yeah, thanks. thanks for having me. Yeah. Nice being had. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Thanks, John. Fun doing the show as always, my friend. You've been had. <laughs> but there's three other words that I think someone has for you. What are three other words? What would those be? We can each do one. I'll start. Don't. Get. Caught. Made up.